Welcome to Folk Rock Diva Talk, your intersectional destination for all things music, dignity politics, personal growth and development, queer life, fat activism, and general existentials. My name is Lily Lewis, the Folk Rock Diva, and I am here to tell you all about the view from my corner of the universe. Question. What's it like to be you right now? How about now? How about now? Disclosure. I'm a little nervous about this episode. I think it's because I want to admit to you that I have something at stake in this. But I think we all have something at stake, whether or not we realize it or are willing to admit it. And I do want to know what you have at stake in your walk, in your life. I'm listening. I really am. Oh, I am listening to your truth. Are you listening to mine? You are blossoming from your roots. While I'm raping from my vines, still I wonder. Yes, I wonder, 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 wonder. Who will still be standing when the sun comes down? Who will still be standing when the sun comes down? Who will still be standing when the sun comes down? Who will still be standing? Who will still be standing in the sun? See? That's the heart of it. That's my dog in this fight. What I'm nervous about admitting to you is that I really come to only care about one thing, and I know that there's more than one thing to care about, but in truth, I think I need to worry about this one thing before I put all the other things back together again, and this one thing is how we communicate with one another. I'm hoping that Folk Rock Diva Talk can be a space to explore the inner experience that prevents us from communicating well with one another. And I admit that that feels a little lofty and a little overwhelming and a little, well, who does she think she is? Um, But that's the truth of the matter. And I still have to call it a fight because more often than not, when we think we're proving a point Um, trying to bring someone over to our point of view, more often than not, what we're actually doing is demonstrating defense mechanisms and control patterns because we need to feel like we've got some control in a world full of groundlessness. And that makes sense, right? Of course we want to have a sense of control, and yet us engaging in reactive patterns, right, of behavior, don't always strengthen our relationships. And at this point, we have so many broken relationships. We can look around um, anywhere we look, certainly online, but often in our communities as well. There's so many broken relationships, and we're not relating to one another as people. So often we're relating to each other um, according to our socioeconomic demographics, right? 
or, you know, all these divides that we uh, are experiencing across different ideologies, um, some valid, some maybe not so much. But if we can't relate to one another as people, I fear the wounds that we're all enduring will never get a chance to heal. Now, I feel it necessary to make another disclosure that I, Lily Lewis, the folk rock diva, have in fact drank the Kool-Aid on some messages when it comes to communication, relationship, and vulnerability. And a lot of this Kool-Aid was made for me at a time when I was actively healing my relationship with my wife. I worked with a remarkable human by the name of Paul King Robinson, who refers to himself as the executive shrink. And yes, that is a dot com if you want to check him out. Um, and one of Paul's first principles uh, shared with me was, you know, the observation that the way we do one thing turns out to often be the way we do everything. Now, of course, it's reductionist. <laughs> but when I started paying attention to that principle and how it was showing up in my life, it was absolutely right. I showed a lot of the same defense patterns with my wife as I did in work or with friends. Um, I would collapse around vulnerability, um, whether it was in my professional life or in my personal life, whether it was with family or with friends. And there are good reasons to want to collapse around vulnerability. I mean, you know, let's face it, vulnerability kind of sucks. I mean, it's awkward, it feels uncomfortable, it's embarrassing, nobody wants to be judged. We've all convinced ourselves that our feelings don't matter and speaking them would just make our situation worse. We don't want to be rejected, we don't want to look weak or small. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. But unfortunately, most of what we do to avoid feeling those feelings, mm, well, they're just not much better. I mean, we get into arguments with people around us or online, and we try to solve everything with logic and rationalization, or we just kind of distance ourselves. That's my good trick, you know? We just withdraw, you know? Um, or we get defensive, or we get sarcastic, or we repeat ourselves, or, you know... There's so many things that we do to protect ourselves from actually acknowledging that we're feeling vulnerable. And so many of those things end up making it more difficult for us to treat each other as people. And by that, I mean it makes it virtually impossible to acknowledge that all of that dust that we're kicking up in our ecosphere is really just us masking underlying fear and vulnerability. So I'm here to make a pitch, <laughs> a pitch for an alternative. And I call it direct experience disclosure. Dun, dun, dun. My pitch is that we spend the next, I don't know, generation or so preferencing reporting on our feelings over our opinions. Mm, our direct experience over our projections. 
You know, I used to have a saying about myself that I liked truth so much that if I didn't have the truth, then I would just make it up. (laughs) And I've since learned that that is actually a thing, that that is actually a function of the left brain, that it makes up information when it doesn't have it. And it deeply, deeply believes in firm conviction um, that that which it has made up is absolutely true. Hmm. When I figured this out and I figured out how much I was actually doing that, I took on a practice of trying to determine what I could always count on as actually being true. Um, and now this took a little soul searching. It took and it took reading a few books um, because I needed to drill down on what my actual experience was versus the ways in which I would project meaning onto those experiences. Now, the way this worked in my relationship is let's say that my partner Liz would do something that gave me the experience of abandonment, for example. Now, when we were in the wild, abandonment was life or death, right? You know, if we get abandoned by the the tribe, um, then we're left to the wolves. And, you know, it really is a life or death situation. And so ah, lizard brain lights up and, you know, and I feel stuck and sad and scared. And what do I do? Okay, well, um, without uh, having any tools of communication, and recognizing this pattern, I would then project all kinds of meaning onto my partner. This means you don't care about me. This means you're going to leave me. This means that you don't love me in the way that I want to be loved. And yada, 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 yada. (laughs) And I know I'm not the only one who's been there. Um, But when I drop, you know, all of the assignment of you know, what that experience of uh, abandonment um, must mean for her. Then I found myself with a little bit of space, just a tiny bit of space. I found myself able to report my experience, right? To disclose my experience. Honey, when you did that, I felt abandoned. Sweetie, when that happened, I felt scared and lonely. When you said that, I felt a sharp pain in my right side. I removed all accusations, but in order to do that, I first had to acknowledge that my direct experience was valid. That When someone tries to tell you that didn't happen, (laughs) you know it happened because it happened inside you. It happened to your body. It happened to your awareness. Now, the truth is, if a person's not used to this, they're just as likely to revert to defensive languages as they would in any other kind of conversation. It takes time and practice for folks to notice they're, that they're in a different kind of conversation where you're speaking about direct experience, and more importantly, you're leaving yourself available to them reporting on their direct experience. Yeah, that's the rub. You disclose, and then you ask, how does that land for you? What do you think of that? What shows up for you when I say this? You're open 
to receiving their information. And part of why you're more available to receiving that information is that you are in the seat of the awareness that you have nothing to prove, that your experience is fully valid and infallible. And I think the truth is a lot of us have a long way to go, myself included, in accepting that fact alone, that our experience is actually fully valid as is. And while I acknowledge we have a way to go, there's still benefits we can reap while we're on that path. Um, so, yes, it's difficult to own our experience. It's difficult to stand and set a, a boundary and push back when people try to deny it. But once we have acknowledged that, even if we're just on the path of acknowledging that, we become much more able to accommodate very difficult conversations. And, you know, let's face it, folks, we have an awful lot of difficult conversations that are kind of queued up in our present awareness. And that without engaging them with sincerity and clarity, we won't ever get the chance to find out what us weird little humans could have become. So yeah, let's go there. What are the consequences of avoiding this? What are the consequences of not sharing what's going on for us underneath? Well, in our intimate relationships, we never actually allow our partners the joy of being in a relationship with us as we are. They remain in a relationship with the us that is either trying to project something or trying to manage their experience of us. That means we never get to find out what it means for a person to be in a relationship with us as we are. This is also true in our friendships. We have pre-rejected ourselves on behalf of our friends to make us feel more manageable in our social circles. Hmm, what good is that? What does that get us? What about in community without disclosing the things that are causing us discomfort, um, without trusting the community with difficult things? Do we ever actually give them a chance to grow up do we ever get to grow up together? Um, do we ever get to make things better in our community? And what about in our world? If we don't disclose fear of mortality, then we won't collectively experience the pang of healing our world and making it sustainable for us to survive here. So if you wanted to engage your own um, project, as it were, um, regarding your reactive stories and behaviors and, and like find out what's going on underneath some of that for you, some of the fundamental stuff where you could start reporting your direct experience. And, um, and I would suggest you check out 
really amazing little tool. Uh, it's a book called Five Minute Relationship Repair from Drs. Susan Campbell and John Gray. But even if that's not for you, before you tell me about your politics and before you tell me about your ideologies and before you tell me about the people you're angry at or the people you're angry for, tell me about your family. Tell me about your loved ones. Tell me about your heart. Tell me about your pain. Tell me about your fears. Tell me about your panic attacks. Tell me about your depression. Tell me about your anxiety. Tell me about the things that make you laugh or the things that make your child laugh or the things that make your mother laugh. Tell me about your humanity. And maybe, if you're up for it, ask me about my own. Support Folk Rock Diva Talk by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash folkrockdiva. And remember, if you're not sure how to be, practice radical decency.